With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Are you looking for the perfect way to take your brand to the next level? Want to reach a dedicated, engaged audience that's all ears? With AudioHook.com, you can do just that. AudioHook is the premier podcast advertising platform connecting advertisers with some of the best podcasts in the world. Audiohook uses advanced targeting techniques to ensure your message reaches the right ears at the right time. With detailed analytics, you'll be able to track your campaign's performance and optimize your strategy for maximum impact. Plus, their team of experts are there every step of the way, providing guidance and support to make your campaign a success. So, whether you're a startup, a small business owner, or a marketing pro, Audiohook is your one-stop shop for podcast advertising success. Head over to audiohook.com to start your journey today. Brand new for the 2022 season, it's the RVK. We're coming at you two ways on two days. It's Monday and Thursday. Jeremy, J.N. Fiend Phoenix, and me, Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I also hate Pitt. We are the Raspy Voice Kids. We are the Raspy Voice Kids podcast. You get pop culture Monday at 7 a.m. You get the West Virginia University podcast Thursdays at 7 a.m. Either way, no matter what we say, you're going to have fun. So, like we like to tell you, get at your boys. Podcast. I am your host, Andy Mitz. It has been way too long since we podcasted, but I figured, hey, with all of the fun transfer portal stuff starting to kick up and stuff starting to get resolved, that it was time, past time, to jump back in and get back on the horse as it is uh, in terms of podcasting. So, here to help me talk about the transfer portal, which of course is the big thing now in the offseason for both basketball and football, uh, with spring football done and basketball season over, uh, it's Kyle Davis, our deputy editor over at Blue Wings Rising. Kyle, how are you doing today? I'm good. It's been a nice, it's, it's nice to have some calm couple of weeks, even though I know KU fans were getting antsy that there wasn't as much maybe movement as soon as they would have liked. But I, I have a feeling, especially given how uh, the timing that we're talking about this, that it's going to be an exciting couple of weeks ahead. 
Yeah, so we are speaking on uh, Wednesday the 19th. We do have a few visits that are coming up. Actually, I believe some that have already started. Arterio Morris is, is on campus, I believe, actually visiting starting uh, as of Tuesday. Um, his visit is this week. And then and then also Hunter Dickinson is getting ready to come onto campus. There's also um, just recently announced Primo Spears, the Georgetown transfer, is coming to Kansas on the 25th for his visit. Uh, it's down to just Kansas and Florida State for his services. And then, of course, there is uh, Marvin Ingram. I, I, yeah, it is Marvin Ingram, right? I, Harrison Ingram. Harrison Ingram. I don't know why I was saying Marvin. Uh, anyway, sorry. We'll, we'll just cut that. Then, then there was. Then there is Harrison Ingram uh, also coming. Uh, his his visit that was supposed to be this week, I believe, is actually getting delayed. Um, the The official reason given is due to class schedule. Um, but I, I think there's some sort of indication that there's some other stuff going on. There may not be room for him, um, depending on how high on some of these other transfers Kansas is. Um, he may have, you know, kind of pulled back as well. Not really sure. You don't really get the full picture here, which is kind of understandable. It is the transfer portal. And, you know, just like regular recruiting, like really the main difference between this and normal recruiting is that these guys are already in college. Yeah, although I, I will say, I mean, Harrison Ingram – is coming from Stanford. If there was a school where class schedule could, in theory, get in the way, and it seems logical, Stanford feels like Fair. a place where that could happen. So I will give him that credit. But you're right; there, there is the timing of it. There's a lot of decisions, like I said, I think that are going to get made over the next week, week and a half. Um, and the fact that he's now not coming on until I think the 27th does make it interesting because he he's been high on my board personally just to fit that wing space that we need i don't know now yeah where if, if all of the scholarships will be called for by then um I'm, I'm interested to see what happens uh with that yeah i mean ingram is also you know planning on visiting north carolina he has some other options and i think other ones that are probably a little bit higher on his list as of right now and part of that might be because kansas is looking elsewhere kansas might be looking elsewhere because of some of the you know other stuff that's happening as well but I think the main takeaway from this is that Kansas has plenty of options. As we saw with, you know, Remy Martin coming in, as we saw with, um, you know, with Kevin McCuller coming in, like Kansas has a good track record being able to find guys that really help with what it is that they're missing, what they're looking for. Um, I'm not really that worried. I think this, there's more of an intrigue of you know, who are the guys that are going to come in, you know, and, and we didn't even talk about uh, um, the guy from, from uh, Texas tech. We might be getting another, Texas Tech, tech uh, Texas Tech transfer supposedly um, in uh, Jalen Tyson. Yeah, I actually got that name right. So, <laughs> yeah, there's it. It, it is going to be fascinating because we and I know we're talking. About, the big news is we're recording probably what an hour and a half after Nick Timberlake committed from Towson, so he fills a massive need because he is a. I, He's known as he's he's experienced and he's been in college now since 2018. Redshirt is his first year. He's got the COVID year. Uh, he shot almost 42 percent from three, but he also I, I think that's what everyone obviously gravitates to. But he's also a big body, six four, two hundred pounds. He shot almost 50 percent from inside the arc. He grabbed about four rebounds a game, like two assists. Like he's he's going to fill the Grady Dick need, but I think also he's. I, you know, if you watch some of his tape, it's against, you know, he played a thousand. So there's a step down on competition, but like he's able to get to the rim and finish a little bit. All Kevin McCuller, and, uh, although a little more even dunking, but 
he fits a huge need uh, because the that position in particular, the two slash three, has been pretty desolated with with people moving on. Understandably so, and because in some of the cases it just wasn't going to work out. I think it was in everybody's best interest, like with the Yesifus and and those, and obviously Grady. He's he's going to be a lottery pick. You're not telling him to stay, right. even if you want to. So that feels a big need, and now that's that feels like the one from a position standpoint and mix that you have to have. And now you have two scholarships left to kind of play with. And I know that's kind of what we're getting here, right? Like you have, I, you have Dickinson who makes you anybody immediately better and, and brings depth to the post. The Primo Spears, I get it, but also I think the point guard position is the one that is the deepest right now. And I would almost rather you go with the Duan, Omarco combo maybe you think you can play them together and then he comes off the bench for 15 minutes a game I, I don't know but if you only have two left I would love to see another wing like a Harrison Ingram or maybe a, a, a Tatum out of Texas Tech and then you can see whether you get another shooter or if you get Dickinson um, I know I'm all I'm always also a big Ernest Uday um, believer and on the bandwagon uh, board of directors and so you know like Part of me would love to see him starting at the four, but I also think regardless, KJ is probably going, or sorry, starting at the five. I think KJ is probably going to the four. Ernest playing 15 minutes a night, 20 minutes with Dickens, you know, relieving Dickinson and even maybe trying to go win Towers-ish if that would even work in today's game is intriguing enough. And he's at least the prospect where it's like, you know, you're not going to say no to him. So I think it's a fascinating what Bill Self does. Now that you got your piece that you kind of had to have, like I think the, the Timberlake experience and skill set is going to complement these freshman guards coming in so well that like he was the piece you needed, whether it was him or someone else like him, you needed that skill set. Now that you have that, you can, you, you can play around with a little bit of like, okay, do we go with uh, another ball handler in, in, in Primo? Do we get, you know, Dickinson is, is Ingram still going to be available? So I, that's what I'm fascinated to see coming up, but at least that, the Timberlake one's not going to be the biggest name, I think, of, of the transfer portal gets for Bill Self. He might be the most important, though. Yeah, I, I see it a lot like I saw, um, you know, the Kevin McCuller transfer, whereas in you weren't expecting McCuller to come in and be a guy that was going to be your leading scorer. Like, he's not the name that jumps out. And Like, I, I think we were all excited because we knew what Kevin McCuller did in, in, in terms of defense and what he brought there. But he's not a name that really reverberated around all of college basketball last year when he came to Kansas. And I think that this this Timberlake is a very similar sort of thing. It's a role that you absolutely have to have if you're going to be an elite team. But it's not a role, I think, it's it's a role that I think a lot of people take for granted. Um, and and kind of to your point, he is a very experienced guy. Like, he he's not as good, I think, of a pure shooter as Grady Dick was. But he's good enough out there that he can do what you need to do. And he's not as good of a defender as Kevin McCuller was. But he's good enough that he can fill in and he can provide that, that you know, upperclassman leadership and really do what you need to do out there. So, uh, yeah, it's it fills an absolute need. It builds that foundation for whatever they want to do elsewhere. And now you have options, right? Like, you actually, do you want to, you know, do you bring in a Hunter Dickinson and then go end up going big? Um I think regardless, we were looking, you're right, at, at KJ coming out to the four and somebody sliding into the five, whether it's Dickinson coming in or if it's, you know, Zuby or uh, or Ernest Uday. Like, they have plenty of options for the guys down low, and you don't have so many wings that are now pushing for four minutes. 
you know, Jalen Wilson, a lot of times had to play the four because they had plenty of other guys that really needed to play minutes as well. And you didn't want to take him off the floor. So, um, you know, I, I think they have a whole lot more options now to look at the last two spots and figure out what type of team they want to be. How do they want to kind of build everything? And I mean, you, you talked about Primo Spears. I do think that there is at least somewhat of a push to make it so that El Marco does not have to be the backup point guard that he has. I think he has the ability to be, to be the backup point guard, but as we saw with Bobby Pettiford and, uh, you know, and, and Joseph Yesifu, when you have inexperienced guys that are trying to be your backup point guard in a system that honestly I think is a lot more complicated than it gets credit for, um, it can be very difficult, I think, at times to do that. So bringing in a guy like Spears, I think, could help to relieve some of that pressure of not having a true freshman try to do it. And El Marco has enough other you know ways that he can contribute. That he doesn't have to be the backup point guard. It's great to have a guy that can handle the ball, but... I think his the way he contributes to this team the best is probably not being the guy at the backup position for the point guard. Yeah, he's probably going to be kind of the the second ball handler on the court with Duan as like the two who can be the outlet valve if he needs and just to to be able to do that, which actually is what makes this freshman class so fascinating and exciting. And we did recruiting profiles on the site if you haven't checked them out yet go do that because the common theme with all of them is that these are guys who can play multiple positions and have had the ball in their hands in high school and even if they are not going to be you know Juan's backup which you're right I think if Primo comes it's basically like yeah hey come off the bench 15 minutes a night spell them you know be there for foul trouble there's always accounting for injuries that was the thing with this year's team is like you saw when Kevin McCuller got hurt like if someone went down, there was not a whole lot of help back there. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with using these two scholarship positions to to stockpile as some security blankets in these areas by any means. But that is the great thing about this freshman class is that, you know, you mentioned the four, like Marcus Adams could potentially be like a Jalen Wilson four if he needed to, or he could play the three. You've got, you know, like you, you've got these guys who Amarco is is a point guard by trade, but he's also six, four and super athletic. And he could be that two or, or be more on the wing. Same thing with, you know, Chris Johnson and, and all those. So I'm, I'm, I think that also helps you just the fact that I think you've got so many different chess pieces with the freshman class coming in, moving around that bill self can also get a little um, strategic and maybe take some chances with these last two. And just basically it's like, Hey, let's get all this talent onto campus. And then let me spend the fall figuring out where they fit. Yeah, I think the only guy that for sure you have to take if he wants to come is Hunter Dickinson. You know, Arturio Morris, who's coming onto campus to visit, is, you know, someone that you would potentially like, but not necessarily a requirement. Like, he doesn't, on his own, completely change the way you can play and completely raise the ceiling of this team. But he could be a very good piece in, in, a, in a, you know, very coherent strategy there. Um, same with a guy like Primo Spears, you know, same with, uh, I mean, honestly, with multiple other ones that they're looking at, but... Hunter Dickinson is like the no-brainer. You take him if he wants to come. Other than that, they've got plenty of options, and I think I'm most intrigued by the fact that they have that many options. They can do a bunch of different things there with those last transfers. So speaking of plenty of options, uh, if you head on over to our sponsor here on the podcast, Homefield Apparel, you have plenty of options over there. Homefield Apparel, the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel anywhere. T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, joggers, a whole bunch more. Um, you know, they have over 140 different schools. They keep adding new stuff for all the schools that they have. And they've even added new schools here 
um, even some some little tiny schools. I guarantee if you head on over to homefieldapparel.com right now, you can go and find plenty of ridiculously niche, uh, you know, vintage logos that are just absolutely fantastic and you have to have, even if you have no affiliation to the school. I have way too many of those. I took part in the third month, uh, the third month mania promotion that they had where they sent a whole bunch of random shirts uh, from teams that were still in the tournament for each of the weeks. And I have a nice new FAU Owls shirt that I absolutely love that I would not have had if not for that. Um, but head on over to homefieldapparel.com. Use promo code CHOCK12. You can get 15% off your entire first order. Uh, they have a ton of stuff, and I guarantee that you are going to find plenty of stuff. Again, homefieldapparel.com, promo code CHOCK12. Get 15% off your entire first order. Boom! Bosco's Boys is here. I think we all wanted it. And the marriage is officially official. I'm so pumped to bring my show to the 1012 Network, Bosco's Boys, the most consistent K-State podcast out there. Over four years with at least one episode a week. Bringing live shows to the listeners and to the participants every Wednesday at 7 p.m. I'm pumped to be here, and I would love it if you guys came over to Bosco's Boys and gave us a listen. Because we are not Big J Journos. This is a podcast by a fan and his dog for fellow K-State and Big 12 fans. And I can't wait to chop it up with all the members and fans of the 1012 Network. You talked about a lot of the guys that left, and I know that I, I talked with Brendan about a week and a half ago about a lot of the, the transfers and you know, how it wasn't necessarily that big of a deal. But was there anybody that did transfer that kind of surprised you? The one I was I held out hope for was MJ Rice, I think just because of his size and athletic ability. And and he, you know, it like his injuries, not only did he have a bunch of injuries, but they happened at terrible times. Like he was hurt all through the very, very beginning of the year, which is where in theory – in these in these early season November December games, he can actually get some run and go make some mistakes and not immediately get pulled because it's not a tight game and really kind of get his footing. And it seems like you know he was missing practices there as well. It just felt like he then was playing catch up the whole time. I still held out hope, but like everyone else, I think I I I understood. You know, like yes, Fu made complete sense. You know, Bobby Pettiford, I think also with just. The fact that Duan has two years of eligibility left, like, you know, there's just, you're not going to take that over. Seeing what was coming in there um, with the class, I, MJ was the only one who I held out hope for. But again, I'm sure he also knew, given between what was coming in with the freshman class and who KU was targeting and from a wing perspective, uh, it just might not have worked. And his style is, you know, he – he's not going to necessarily stretch the floor for you too much. He's kind of that Wayne Selden type, but he semi surprised me, but honestly, no, nothing, even when, you know, that's why when everyone was, was kind of, at least I say everyone, when, when there was a very minor minority on Twitter who was freaking out because it was an exodus and does that mean self's going to retire and no one's coming in yet? Why isn't, why is no one committed yet? It was like this, when you look at it, it's, you know, and actually take a very, like the perspective of it. It's not like, it's not like Jalen Wilson and Dwan Harris and them couldn't wait to get out of Lawrence. And there were some bigger things like that is all, everything had very obvious context as to why it was happening. And then you looked at like who was coming in 
And it's like, would you take, would you take Bobby Pettiford over on Marco Jackson? I know we haven't seen on Marco yet, but I don't know that you necessarily would, you know, like some of these right. guys now you're looking at, like if, if you take like a Harrison Ingram, are you going to take Harrison Ingram or MJ Rice? No disrespect to MJ Rice. Cause again, I liked him. I was hoping he would stay, but anyway, so I think there's, I, I, I think it's okay. I think things can happen where, again, I mentioned this in one of the columns before where, you know, so much changes within the makeup of a basketball team over the course of two or so years that what you had, what Bill Self had to recruit for in like the 2021 off season just may not be a need anymore. And that happens, you know, you got the COVID year, like there was a reason why Bill went out and got Bobby Pettiford and Yesfu and all them when it happened right. in the point guard. But then we had this bloated room, like it was just, there wasn't going to be enough room for anyone. And frankly, with the reduction, like he needed those scholarships to go to the wing and to the big man. So honestly, it made sense all around and nothing really surprised me. I'm happy that I, I hope MJ gets playing time at NC State. You know, Bobby Pettiford's going to Eastern Carolina. They're both going to be back closer to home, which I think is probably important to them. And then now, I think as we saw with the, the news today with Timberlake and, and the, the people who have Kansas shortlisted, Bill Self, I don't think, is going to have a problem replacing them. I don't know necessarily. You know, we'll have to wait and see if those are improvements overall. But at least it, it, on paper, you know, this team – if you get Hunter Dickinson, you're already going to be preseason top right, three, right. maybe like, number one. Even without him, you get Ingram or one others, you're easily a top ten, top five preseason team. Like there's there's still plenty of pieces in place. And even if one or two of the four freshmen, you know, like you say last year, Grady Dick was amazing, better than or as good as you could have expected. Uday showed some glimpses. He was probably in that middle range. Yep. And then MJ's probably the, like, what happens when injuries go wrong and whatnot. If you get that from, you know, if you get a one and a half Grady's or a Grady plus an Uday out of this freshman class, and then you're adding in improvement from Adams and Uday. And if you get Dickens and all those, like I, you still have Dwan Harris running the ship. That's a good team. And, oh, yeah. and honestly, I don't, I don't blame the guys for leaving to go get more minutes and whatever else, because, because you're not, probably stepping over that. Yeah, the the other thing to keep in mind is that we were shocked last year when basically nobody transferred out. Like the Jayhawks won the title last year and you know, every single team it seems, especially in this transfer portal era, has a decent amount of turnover. Like you have at least two or three guys that transfer out because they want to find a situation that allows them to, you know, to better kind of fulfill what they want to do and Kansas didn't lose anybody to the transfer portal last year. Like everybody that left was people that moved on. Um, and, and that's very unusual. You know, there were guys like Kyle Cuff, who we still haven't you know, actually talked about. Like, there's still a, po- a possibility he could transfer. Bill Self seemed to indicate that he was expecting him to transfer. But, you know, Cuff is making his decision on his own timeline. He has until May 11th to actually make that decision. And I would not be shocked if he decides to stay because he, you know, doesn't mind being on the bench at Kansas and potentially having an opportunity. To NIL. And, right, right. NIL, his, his NIL possibilities are probably a lot bigger here than they would be, you know, if he went to you know, some, some, some small school, you know, in the middle of, or closer to where he's from. So, yeah, I mean, I think that it's one of those things where, you know, you have a lot of options and it seems like a lot of people left, but I think at least two or three of those guys are guys that in any normal year would have left last year. And then we would have replaced them with guys that were probably longer term. Um, I don't, I don't see it as a big problem, you know, kind of to your point, they weren't able to really crack the rotation this year for the most part, either because of injury issues or, just other guys that played better than them and, and were, you know, kind of higher up on the depth chart. And so 
Yeah. I, I mean, I wanted MJ Rice to stay. I thought he could have had a good breakout year this year, but you know, not like it's one of those things. You, you, you get a freshman class that has two or three guys in it. You expect at least one of them to be really good. And then another guy to potentially have some, poten- you know, some, some good potential. Um, you know, we got Grady Dick, who was just absolutely phenomenal. And then we got MJ Rice, who showed potential, but was derailed by injury. So it wasn't even really that he didn't perform well. He just didn't, he was never healthy. Um, yeah. So it'll be very interesting, I think, to see, you know, if Kyle Cuff moves on, if, any, you know, if uh, who else is able to kind of stay. And of course, the, the scholarship reductions that came as a, you know, as Kansas kind of doing whatever they could to get ahead of these NCAA infractions case. Um, you know, it's, it's not really. I guess it's not convenient for this team coming up, but I think they have plenty of guys that they'll be okay this next year. The real question is, can they grab the pieces that they want to be as successful as they could be? And there's no guarantee if they had that extra scholarship that they'd be able to find somebody who would have a huge impact this year. So I, I think it's it's yeah. fine there. So, And there's going to be someone who's going to break out and develop from one year. Like last year, like this year it was KJ Adams. Like he had what he averaged like 1.2 points a game two years ago on, right. on the national title team. Like there's, and then he, he turns into this, the, the obvious person there is probably Uday. Um, even if yeah. Dickinson comes and he still comes in as that backup in the high energy defense, like dunking, making plays, like there's going to be someone on this roster already. Honestly, I think Duwan from a scoring perspective still could kind of be that too, in terms of as he develops this game a little bit more, but that, that's the other thing to factor in is that I think we always treat we always treat the the returning players as as like we know what they are. This is what they were right. last year, and that's what we're going to give this year. And we kind of forget the fact that they are still growing and developing too, and that they're not going to be the same players that you're going to get something out of them that you didn't before. Like Kate, that's what Bill Self does. He gets guys who no one was talking about one season, and the next season they're a third team Big Twelve, uh, you know. Um, on the big 12 uh, all conference team because they came in and started, you know, averaging almost 10 points a game and, and doing this. So I think there's a couple breakout candidates there too, that also to the point of um, it not making it so much pressure on these last two open scholarships and portals, because I think people look at it, they're like, Oh no, we only have four guys remaining and two of them barely played. They're a big man. Like, they're going to get better, right? Adam still has room to get better. I think he's hopefully going to develop a shot a little bit more over the offseason. So hopefully, it, along with everything else, you're going to get an improved quality from those four guys still coming back, which is going to help things quite a bit. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think I think there are plenty of opportunities to kind of see those guys take a step forward. And, you know, I think the expectation is that the guys that were big contributors last year are going to take another step forward. But there's always that one guy who – didn't have a big role that all of a sudden just takes that giant leap. And so it'll be interesting to kind of see who that is. All right. Before we get out of here for the day, I know that we're, that we're both running a little bit short on time here. I do want to talk about over on the football side, obviously the spring game is done. Um, you know, I, I was there, I, I put all my, my thoughts and what I saw up there at the, uh, over on blue wings rising. But first of all, so you were also there in attendance. Um, what did you see from the spring football showcase that you, that, you know, kind of jumped out to you about this team? Was, was there anything that took you by surprise or anything that really kind of jumped out to you? Nothing. I don't think by surprise, I think this has been talked about quite a bit, but you know, this, this has been a banged up group. And so you did see some, it it was nice from the spring game perspective to see some, uh, not only new guys who came in, but also just 
some of those not necessarily, you know, like the running back room is one of those where you, you already know what you're getting in Devin Neal and them. Like it was, it was good to kind of see some of the other faces that are getting involved there. Um, you know, I, I am fat. I guess one of the things, and you, we saw this a little bit, maybe I'm, and there's been a lot of, I'm fascinated to see how uh, Andy uses uh, Jason Bean in the offense and not necessarily like, as you know, with the two quarterbacks in there, we're running, he ran for a touchdown in the spring game. Like I, you know, he's, I, I, that's like kind of a little, like a, he, he's that, you know, just like that piece that you can kind of put anywhere kind of X factor. I'm, that was really interesting to see. And I knew they were not going to give away anything, obviously in the spring game about how they would use him, but just seeing him on the field with Jalen was, was kind of good. And then I think on the defensive side, there's a lot of new pieces. I think it was a little early to tell how some of them looked, but um, that's still the, I think that's the area everyone cares about a lot because that's the area where there's a lot of improvement needed. Maybe outside of kicker is the only other one. Um, So it was just good to start kind of, you know, I don't put too much, stock in that showcase obviously but it was good to see some of those new faces and then you know if you want to put a silver lining on all of the injuries it's that some of these new guys and the young guys and all of that can start getting some reps I think there's some there's some a lot of change on the offensive line that I think is going to be good but it was like kind of good like to see how they start to kind of gel together so no big takeaways but those were some of the things that I was I was thinking about quite a bit yeah I think the one thing that jumped out to me I mean you saw four different quarterbacks throwing passes but kind of to your point yeah, there was definitely times where the offense really beat the defense, but most of those looked like like there was a spectacular Jalen Daniel throw right to the corner of the end zone. You know, there was a bean on the run throw, kind of reminiscent of what we've seen him do a few times. Like there were some spectacular plays made by quarterbacks. Um, but for the most part, like I thought that the defense actually played fairly well. And part of that might have been the younger wide receivers they were going against, the younger running backs they were going against, but you saw guys that you know, were able to play within the system. Like I didn't, I didn't see anything jump out to me as a guy that just completely messed up. Right. It was the, the offense was run really well. Like you expect the defense, you know, kind of took a little bit of a step back compared to what I was hoping they would do. But again, it's, you know, spring showcase and they're playing against an offense that was actually, you know, it's actually pretty good. Like they have, I think, like there, there's no reason to be extremely more optimistic than you would have been coming out of last year, but there also wasn't really any kind of reasons for concern um, because of what you were talking about, you know, because of those injuries and because of what you um, have, have kind of seen. Another reason you might potentially be concerned, and this happens every year after, you know, after the spring showcase, the spring football game, um, players entering the portal. Um, unfortunately, you know, it's one of those, uh, it's one of those things where you, you take a look and there's always going to be somebody that jumps in that you kind of don't expect. Um, this is also, I don't think very abnormal at all. Like you expect guys to jump into the portal after once they realize, Hey, in spring football, I don't have quite the role that I thought I was going to have. You know, we, we, we found some other people that emerge like this stuff happens all the time. It's not anything really to be too concerned about, but were you surprised by any of the players? And just to kind of recap, obviously Kai Thomas, Shad Dabney and Gavin Potter all, you know, transferred coming out of last season. Um, but right after the spring game, there was Ethan Vasco, a uh, redshirt freshman quarterback that came from Chesapeake, Virginia. He was actually, I think a big portion of that, or he was the, the, the guy that you, kind of got excited about out of the last recruiting class for the Jayhawks. Um, he transferred Keelan Robinson, uh, linebacker, I believe, uh, you know, also transferred. And then you have Demarion Alexander, Max Dowling, and Jacob Borsilla. 
any of those guys surprise you that that left or or are I guess any of them yeah. that are worrying? I none that are worrying, I think. I think the Ethan Bass goes the biggest name and because obviously of the position that stands out, but also I wonder how much you know, I, I think everyone kind of thought that after the Liberty Bowl, Jason Bean's career at Kansas would be done and he would either go on or go somewhere else. And when he decided to stay and and you knew that not only just using him as this piece, but like if something happened to Jalen Daniels again, he was going to be the guy to come up. And you've got, you know, it, it the Ethan Vasco thing kind of, if we want to make the parallel, was a little bit of kind of a Bobby Pettiford, like looking in the room and realizing how, how, uh, much longer these guys are still going to be in here with him and, you know, he's going to have a shot. And so he's the biggest name on the list. Uh, you know, I think uh, the Demarion Alexander one, it's, it's, I don't pretend to know too much about kind of like the, the defensive depth chart of this part. It's just when you just, I think because of the state of the, the defense last year, knowing how much improvement needs to be when you see a really talented guy out of high school uh, and highly, you know, rated player, on the edge of an important position, like edge rusher leaves. And you're like, that's, you know, what's going on here, but I'm, I'm not going to pretend to speculate. So yeah, I think Vasco, I assume, you know, that it was Jason Bean might've had something to do with it where, you know, if Jason Bean left and then this happens. I think I'd be more surprised now that Jason Bean's still here for another year. It's not quite as surprising. to me. Yeah. I mean, I think that's really what it comes down to is the fact that Vasco is that a very uh, congested position? I mean, if, if you really think about it, because by the time he actually takes the reins, assuming you know that uh, Jalen Daniels moves on after this year, I mean, technically he could, but I don't think there's a guarantee that Jalen Daniels actually moves on after this year because he, no matter how well or how much improved he is, you know his his measurables don't scream you know NFL top two round draft pick or anything like that. So like. He could have a fantastic year, but unless he goes and wins the Heisman, um, you know he's probably not going to get a lot of a, a lot of consideration for a high draft pick, which means he very well may come back, you know, again. And, and he'll make more money here now. Right, like exactly. we already yeah. seen, like he is he's kind of leading the way for KU football in terms of NIL too. So compared to a couple of years ago, like he can he can enjoy himself for two more years and really like cement himself as one of the guys who made this turnaround happen. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, it's it's one of those, unfortunately, when you have, like, you're always kind of same thing for the NFL. You're always bringing in quarterbacks, expecting that some of them are going to leave because, you know, I mean, and they have Ben Easters as well. You know, another guy that was well thought of coming into camp or coming in last year. So, you know, yeah, I, I thought that Ethan Vasco could have had a very good year this year if he had been able to play as the backup Um you know, or at least had an opportunity to kind of see what his role was going to be. But I'm not really that surprised. Ben Easters, uh, you know, is an, is a guy that played fairly well in the in the spring showcase and I think could be a guy if he had was, were pressed into service. And, you know, it's just it's just kind of one of those things. I was not surprised at all that, that Borsilla, you know, who who lost the uh, the kicking job last year in the Liberty Bowl, uh, I'm not surprised that he moved on. It's been interesting. Like you actually saw some of the kickers that they had. They brought in some some special team specialists that look like they're actually going to be fairly good. I don't think that kicking is going to be the problem that it was last year. It may not be a you know a big strength of this team, but it's not going to be the huge glaring issue that it was last year. So um, I will be very right. interested to see. I, I was a little surprised by Keelan Robinson, but from what I understand, there are some guys that jumped him in the depth chart that he wasn't necessarily too happy with. 
Um, just because, which is kind of a good thing, right? Like normally if a guy is unexpectedly passed on the depth chart, that's usually because other guys stepped up, not because he, you know, slacked off and, and got worse. So I think that's, and a that's good a good sign. time for your program. It shows, right. shows growth. Like you should want good players leaving because they can't play. Cause there's so many other good players in right. front of you. Exactly. Like, this is something where like three years ago, if a, if a three-star left, we'd be freaking out because who else do we have? But like, that's where, you know, especially looking at the quarterback room with Vasco, not only with Easters, but if, if you're kind of looking at who some of the prospects are coming in as potential freshmen in the next couple of classes, like, and that there's no room for him. That's, that's, it stinks for him and I, you know, wish it could work out for everybody, but like, that's a good sign for the, for the health of your program. Yeah. Yeah. It, it also, I think it, it seemed like it was much quicker. Like you had been known it was coming because, Hey, guess what? Keely Robinson is already committed to Kent state. So like, um, you know, it's not, <laughs> it's not that big of a, a stretch to think that he kind of already had one foot out the door before spring. And it was a matter of seeing, you know, are these things actually happening again? I don't have the insight to know if that was actually the case or not, but it doesn't seem to be that surprising. Um, and like we said, these sorts of things are happening across the country. Like Kansas right now is one of the earlier spring football teams. And so, yes, they haven't really signed anybody in the transfer portal. You expect they're going to probably get at least five or six players in the transfer portal maybe more with how many people they have, you know, with people that they have entering the portal and opening up scholarships. But um, most other teams, especially those in conference and those that Kansas might want to go after some of their, you know, their their transfers are still go- undergoing spring practices. Most of them will finish up in the next week or so. I-, I think if we get to the middle of May and Kansas still hasn't gotten a bunch of transfers to come in and kind of see how this roster shaping up, but then maybe you get a little bit worried. But I think for the most part, this isn't really anything to worry about at this point. It's it's notable, some of the guys that left, but I don't think any of them are worrying. So we will definitely keep an eye on it throughout the rest of the summer. We will be doing our 100-day countdown to the beginning of, of Kansas football again this year over on Blue Wings Rising. I really enjoyed doing that last year, um, as stressful as it was sometimes. But, uh, you know, we will definitely be uh, doing everything we can to give you guys all of that coverage. So stay tuned over there. Um Make sure you guys are paying attention. We will be keeping up with all the transfer portal stuff over on Blue Wings Rising. But uh, thank you guys so much for, uh, for for listening. Kyle, thank you so much for joining me. If you guys have not already, please do go out wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast. Subscribe so you can get every episode as soon as it comes out. If you can give us a rating and a review. Five stars, nice comments would be absolutely fantastic. But if for whatever reason you can't do that, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We really do bring the podcast to you guys, get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast.gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. We are part of the 1012 Podcast Network, covering all the teams in the Big 12 Conference, including the new ones coming in. Head on over to 1012network.com to get links to all the great shows. Make sure you visit our sponsor, Homefield Apparel. And if you guys haven't checked out the last episode we did with uh, Kansas women's basketball assistant Morgan Page, make sure you go listen to that one. It was an absolutely fantastic interview. I'm super excited about what's coming next year for the women's team. But that's going to do it for us today. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast.